Jesus speaks of the scandal of the cross, the heartbreak of the cross, he regularly speaks, look at verse 32, of the resurrection. He prophesied his victory over death, his resurrection repeatedly. And so here he says, after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. He doesn't leave him without hope. But Peter answered and said to him, verse 33, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Ouch. No more do I hear what I just commented on, a healthy self-distrust. In fact, I hear an unhealthy what? Self-reliance. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Put No Confidence in the Flesh. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Christ is the centerpiece. I was reading in Hebrews, and I was reminded of this. Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the A to the Z. The book of Ephesians says God's going to sum up everything in Christ. You can hardly make too much of Christ. You can go to seed on other doctrines. You know what I mean? I've met Christians who get imbalanced and go to seed on this and that and the next thing. I never have met one who is too occupied with Jesus. He is the object of the Father's affection, and he is the one that the Holy Spirit came to glorify, to focus our attention on. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the creator of the universe. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. John's Gospel starts. Or listen to, by the way, if you, uh, and this is, this is for free, uh, this little side comment here. But uh, John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1. If you're wanting texts to go to to show the deity of Jesus, and I might add the fact that he is the creator of Mount Hood and the Rocky Mountains and the moon and the stars. Uh, I quoted John 1, listen to Colossians 1, and it's not, any, it's not coincidental that they're all in chapter 1 because they're where these books often start in the Bible. This is Jesus, you know. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, in Christ, all things hold together. That's how Paul gets started in Colossians. Listen to Hebrews where I was reading this morning and listen to how it begins God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Jesus is the creator, and he's the sustainer of the universe. I was reading in Hebrews where he is presented as our great high priest, 
the one who represents me before God. And a high priest, Hebrews says, is appointed among men to represent men to God, and he's appointed to offer gifts and sacrifice. So all those priests in the Old Testament, and particularly their highest representative, the high priest, they offered gifts and sacrifices to God. But Jesus is not only our high priest, he is the offering. He offered himself. He is the sacrifice. You weren't redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, Peter writes, but with the precious blood as of the lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. He is the high priest. He's the very offering the high priest offers. He's the king. Hebrews 7, where I was, and uh, the middle chapters of Hebrews, I was just listening and thinking, wow, it's so true. Everywhere I turn in the Bible, and this was just in my time with the Lord this morning, he's the king of peace, shalom, king of Salem, and he's the king of righteousness, and he's the judge. Paul stood up at Athens and said, God has appointed a man to bring judgment, and he will judge all of us through a man whom he has appointed, Jesus Christ. I mean, you just could go on and on. And I say that because today he is the Passover. Okay? So let's take a look at it. He is the Passover. 1 Corinthians 5 says, Christ himself is our Passover. And so let me just give you a quick context from last time we were together. Verse 20 of Matthew 26. Now when evening had come, he was reclining at table with the 12 disciples. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. As he establishes the first table we call the Lord's table, as he enters into this final Passover, he has to announce one of you is going to betray me. And being deeply grieved, verse 22, they each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord. And I commented last time, and I'll just remind us, every healthy Christian should have a measure of self-distrust. I think we'll see it later in our text again. In fact, I'm sure we will, unless I take too long and we don't get there. you know. But uh, it's a healthy thing to know and to say, and I'll tell you right now, I'm capable of any sin. Oh, Lord, he taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, walk humbly before him. So they all say, surely not I. Jesus answered, verse 23, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The son of man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man through whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And I'll just simply remind us again what I said last week, that this statement of Jesus puts these two truths side by side like they often are in the Scripture. God is in charge. God is not a victim. He was not caught by surprise. He was not a martyr. He sent his son to die on the cross. But it doesn't relieve the, the guilt at all of, for instance, Judas. Woe to that man who betrays him. And the Bible puts those two truths, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man side by side and never seeks to bring them together in such a way that we can necessarily figure it all out. And I would say, just let them stand, okay? 
like Jesus says right here on this night. Woe to that. It would have been better for them to have never been born. And I commented, I'll say it again, it would be better for everyone who rejects Christ to have never been born. It's a sobering statement that our Lord Jesus Christ makes. Well, then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Surely it's not I, Rabbi. He wouldn't call him Lord. But he felt the need to kind of mimic the other guy. Surely not I, Rabbi. What a despicable hypocrite. He was already cutting the deal. He knew who it was. And John says in his gospel that Jesus dismissed him and he went out. John 13 He went out into the night, and it just simply says, the Scripture says, it was dark. It was dark. And Judas has been in darkness ever since. While they were eating, verse 26, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is to be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. The simplicity of the Lord's Supper. When we celebrate it often in the church where I worship and where I teach and shepherd and pastor, I'm always struck by the simplicity of it. He took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Do it, drink it in remembrance of me. And it's a simple, as I said, ordinance, but it forces us to remember him and what he did for us on the cross. Same with baptism. It's not an elaborate ritual. Both of them go to the cross. And by the way, both of them go to the thing we're supposed to proclaim. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. In Galatians, he said, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. Verse 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I'll tell you, every time you and I gather and worship God and close with a hymn, we ought to just remember what a privilege it is to close with a song of praise. I'm not talking about what kind of song. I'm just saying these hymns of praise, these songs of praise that focus us on Jesus. That's the highest use of music in the world is to praise God. And Jesus closed out this time. They sang a hymn together, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. Now, I mean, put yourself in these guys' shoes. He's just looked at the 12 and said, one of you, one of you will betray me. Now he says, all of you will fall away 
He doesn't use the same word. He doesn't use this betrayal. Uh, But just the same, he said, all of you will be stumbled because of me, will be scandalized because of me. Um, God knows that we're but dust. Psalm 103, verse 14. He himself knows that we're made of dust. You know, I am... I take a comfort in this. The Lord never depends on me. I should always depend on him. But he looked at his choice men that he'd poured three years into, Peter, James, John, the apostles, and he said, you're all going to fall away because of me. For, notice verse 31, it is written. You can't overemphasize uh, Jesus' reverence to the written word of God. It's written. Whatever is written will be. And he said, you're all, it's written in the scripture. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And he knew this is what was going to happen. And notice that little phrase, you'll all be stumbled or scandalized, scandalizo is the term. We can hear the word scandal, just scandalized because of what? Look at verse 31. Because of me. It's a sign of the perverseness of our hearts that even we Christians might be tempted to be kind of stumbled because of Jesus, to not want to identify with this crucified and rejected one because he's no more popular really today in Portland than he was in that day in Jerusalem. You know the pressure. When you identify with Jesus, there's this tendency. You want to just identify with religion or just God or a higher power or spirituality? Hey, cool. But you start talking about Jesus. And there's a temptation for all of us to be scandalized because of him. But after I have been raised, 32... I will go before you to Galilee. I have noticed that when Jesus speaks of the scandal of the cross, the heartbreak of the cross, the, you know, it just grips us. He regularly speaks, look at verse 32, of the resurrection. After I have been raised, he prophesied his victory over death, his resurrection repeatedly. And so here he says, after I have been raised... I will go before you to Galilee. He doesn't leave him without hope. But Peter answered and said to him, verse 33, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Ouch. No more do I hear what I just commented on, a selfie, self, a healthy Self-distrust. Nah. In fact, I hear an unhealthy what? Self-reliance. Jesus never depended on them. We should always depend on him, not on us. Self-confidence is a very dangerous thing. Even though everybody might fall away. I won't, Lord. Not me. Not good old Peter. You can count on me, Lord. Well, now it sounds good, doesn't it? If we didn't know, if this weren't so proverbial 
And in fact, I hear people say things like this, well-meaning Christians, and I'm sure I have. Uh, We need to be careful about this kind of statement. Even though all may fall away because of you, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, some of these guys, Lord. But I won't. I won't. Jesus said to him, verse 34, well, before I go there, because he reiterates his statement, let me quantify it or maybe principalize it a bit. Peter, verse 33, you're all going to fall away. Or I should say verse uh, 31, you're all going to fall away. Peter, verse 33, contradicts the Lord. No, not all of us, Lord. Um, He has too high an opinion of self, and he has too low an opinion of God's word. Too high an opinion of self, too low an opinion of God's word. God just said what? You're all going to fall away. Oh, no, no, you got it wrong, Lord. He's too high on on himself and has too low a view of what God says, God's word. These two go together. They plague the church today. They plague each one of us, but it's a spirit in our day in the church where we have a fairly high opinion of self and a fairly low opinion of God's word. We have too high an opinion of ourselves and too low an opinion of God's word. When God says it, he means it. And uh, I'm preaching this week. We're entering into a week of prayer where we emphasize prayer. And these are almost, I wasn't in this passage. Uh, I don't know that I will be, but I'm in another passage and I'm thinking about what I'm going to share with the congregation. And uh, it's almost this text in the sense of the great need in my prayer life is to have a high opinion of the one I'm talking to and a low opinion of the one talking. Take my place as a needy one, and I'll pray more. But as you remember, Peter is going to fall into what? Prayerlessness. Just later this night, Jesus says, now watch here and pray that you might not enter into temptation. And what does Peter do? He takes a nap. He found sleep more attractive than prayer. And it kind of hits me even to say it. But I suggest it that uh, Peter's prayerlessness is a fruit of having too high an opinion of himself and too low an opinion of God's word. So Jesus, verse 34, reiterates it. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, this very night... Before a cock crows, you shall deny me three times. He reiterates what he just said, and this time with detail. This very night, Peter, before tomorrow morning when the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. He continues in his self-trust. And I I am not questioning his motives. He loved the Lord. And by the way, Jesus told him this very night, Simon, Simon, I've prayed for you. 
And after you've been restored, you strengthen your brothers. God isn't going to let go of Peter, even though he fails him miserably. But Peter hasn't yet learned the lesson. And so he reiterates his contradiction of the Lord, even if I must die for you. And of course, he's very confused about who's going to die for who. And he's just caught up in this, but it's contagious. Did you notice? Look at verse 35. All the disciples said the same thing. There's a lot that's contagious. Um, we saw last week even, didn't we? That it was Judas who said, why was this treasure wasted on Jesus, pouring it out on Jesus? This could have been sold and given to the poor. He didn't care about the poor. John tells us he cared about himself. He was a thief and he was going to dig into that treasury. But it wasn't just Judas Iscariot that said that, was it? Look at verse 8, glance back across the page. The disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, what is the point of this way? Some of the disciples got caught up in it. You can get caught up in a Judas Iscariot mood. You can get caught up in a fleshly confidence. Peter saying, I'd never deny you. And all of them took Peter's word rather than Jesus' word on it and asserted their own faithfulness rather than casting themselves on the independence on the Lord. And, of course, we know we're going to hit, we'll get it, we'll go ahead to it. When he struck, the sheep scatter. Peter stuck around long enough just to do exactly what Jesus said he would three times, deny him. Be careful who you hang out with. The scripture warns us that lot is contagion. And I'll just put it this way, and we'll close with this because we're out of time. Contagion can be positive and it can be negative. The scripture says, spend time with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Be sure your closest relationships are those who love Christ and pull you toward Christ. And beware of the contagion of unbelief. The contagion of fleshly confidence. I'll close with this little verse because it comes to my mind. Philippians chapter 3. Listen to Paul. He says, and he's talking about the false circumcision and the debates he was having later with the Judaizers and that sort of thing. He said, we're the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 3.3. 3. Are you walking in the Spirit today? Are you worshiping in the Spirit? One way to ask it is to say, are you putting confidence in yourself or in the Lord? Put no confidence in the flesh. Worship Him in the Spirit. Glory in Christ. been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Put No Confidence in the Flesh, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Something we've been making available as a thank you gift for our listeners are USB flash drives loaded with Bible teaching series in their entirety. 
So currently, we're offering the entire teaching of the Gospel of Matthew. That's 109 full-length messages, over 50 hours of clear, Christ-centered Bible teaching on this important introductory book of the New Testament. We'd like to make these teachings available to you, our listeners. Just make your request, along with your gift of any size, to the ministry of Abide in the Word. You can do that during regular business hours by calling 503-524-7000 or mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. You can simply click on Contact Us at AbideInTheWord.us anytime. We'd love to put one of these valuable resources in your hands. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? We'll write along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Our Lord was the sinless one, and he knows what it's like to be heavy in spirit, to be the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He is grieved, we're told, and very distressed, and in fact, Hebrews tells us he is a sympathetic high priest that prays for you and me. If you know him as your Savior, he prays for you, and he prays not from a distance. He knows what it's like, and as he contemplates what's before him, he is deeply grieved in his very soul, and he is a sympathetic pathos pain grief simp the the prefix we get our word sympathetic he knows he's with us in those things he knows what it's like that's what hebrews says about him join us again next time as we continue in our study of the gospel of matthew pastor scott will bring a message titled man of sorrows until then may the grace of the lord jesus be with you 